Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Luke chapter 22. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along, but the words will be on the screen. This is a familiar story. Then seizing him, that is Jesus, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I, I, don't, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. There was a break in the relationship. Peter, who had been following Jesus for these years, gets to this moment, and what does he do? He denies Jesus. And this is even after that he said, like, no, Jesus, I'm going to die with you. I'm going to go wherever you're going to go. Like, nothing can get in the way. And what happens when push comes to shove? No, 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 I don't know him. I have nothing to do with him. He, I'm not with him. Don't associate me with him. Peter denies Jesus. And there's a break in their relationship. We're in the series called Reconciled. We're exploring what does it look like for us to navigate these hard moments, these conflicts that come up, because they will. We have conflict in our lives. Well, what do we do? How do we navigate that? We're to pursue reconciliation. And so, so far, what we've covered is the why. Like, why should we do it? Well, Jesus has reconciled us to himself. Like, he has given up his life for us so that we could be restored in relationship. That's why we do it. We've been reconciled, so we reconcile. But what are we really talking about? Well, we answered that question too. What? What is reconciliation? Well, I want to remind you of our our definition that we've been working with. Reconciliation is the restoration of a relationship back to healthy, flourishing, and appropriate. It's getting to the way things are supposed to be. That's what it is. But what it's not necessarily is always guaranteed. There's a difference between forgiveness, we forgive one another, we're called to do that, and reconciliation where we actually land at repair. It's not always going to happen, but we're called to pursue it. So that's what it is. Well, then we answer the question, who? Like, who is the kind of person that reconciles? Well, ultimately, it looks in the picture of Jesus, the person who's humble, others-centered. That's the kind of person who reconciles well. We want to be like that. 
Then we answered last week the question of how, or started to. And we walked through Matthew 18, where we looked at, here's the process. Jesus kind of gives us a picture of what it looks like for us to walk through reconciliation. How do we do it? Well, we first go to the person, and and we try to work it out together privately if we're able, and and we share honestly, we listen carefully, but we're working towards restoration. But sometimes we need help, and so we seek others who can come alongside of us to walk with us through it. But sometimes it's just not going to end up at a reconciled place, and that's okay. But we pursue it. Now, I wonder if last week, if you were here, if you kind of heard that, it's like, okay, there's a lot of good stuff, and it was a long sermon, sorry about that. But like, you, you walk through this process where it's like, okay, here's how I do it. But I wonder if something's just kind of like, yeah, but. Last week, what I think we saw was the map. So I like to hike, and there's a lot of great places kind of around the, the River Valley area in Peoria here, and like, you can go hike some great places. And, and oftentimes, you'll pull up into a parking lot, and you can start at the trail. There's usually a map, right? You can come up, and you can see a map. It's like, okay, the trail goes like this. Here's the path. Here's where it's going to go. Well, last week, we charted the map. We essentially said, here's where it looks like to get from point A to point B, and kind of the contours of it overall. But if you've done hiking, if you've traveled anywhere kind of like that, you know there's a difference between the map and the actual path, the actual road, right? It's like, okay, I know point A to point B kind of generally, but you start hiking, it's like, oh, I didn't know that was coming. You see little like side trails that go off. It's like, am I supposed to take that or not? Like, and, and the contour is like walking over this rocky section or whatever. Like, there's a difference between the map and then actually walking the path. And if you've never been somewhere before, you kind of like go exploring. It's like, okay, you're going to do your best and kind of figure it out. But the best version of how you walk that path is to go with a guide, right? Someone who's been there before. It's like, oh, hey, up here is a stream. We're going to have to kind of go off to the side and, you know, go over some rocks to cross it. Like, oh, great. Glad you told me that. Versus like coming up, so it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, it's helpful to have someone who knows the way. Today, we're going to walk with the guide. We've charted the course. We've laid out the map. We kind of know point A to point B. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to see what does it look like to actually walk the path with the guide. And who better to help us do that than Jesus? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story of Jesus where he actually reconciles with somebody. We're going to look at the story of Peter. And I just read to you the denial, the moment where Jesus is at at the high priest's house and and he's on on trial. And what does Peter do? He abandons him. He abandons him. How can something like that be restored? We're going to look at that. And so what I want to do is I want to give you the big idea right out front. Here's where we're going. Here's what we're going to look at. That Jesus, as our guide, Jesus reconciles with grace and truth. He reconciles with grace and truth, and we should too. So that's where we're going today. That's what we're going to unpack and explore. So I invite you, if you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 21. We're going to look at this story where Jesus reconciles. And so just again, a little bit of context. Peter has denied Jesus, and what happened next is that Jesus was crucified. He was killed. He was murdered. And then he came back to life. 
And since then, he's showed up. He's visited his disciples a couple of times. He's been kind of mingling with them at various moments. And so Peter has seen him. Peter has seen him. But we haven't had that moment yet. So what's going to happen? How is Jesus going to actually go about this? So I invite you to follow along in John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were all together. I'm going out fishing, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. Sound familiar? Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. It's like all of a sudden he's just standing there, right? He stood on the shore, but the disciples, they did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped up his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. A pause there. So what happens is that Jesus, he started to show up. He's visited his disciples, and here he shows up while they're fishing. So Peter, the, some of these other disciples, they're, they're on the shoreline like, you know what? We're going to go fishing. They, a lot of them are fishermen. They're used to this. They know what they're doing. So they go out, and what happens? They don't catch anything. Terrible night. But dawn's starting to break. Sun's starting to break through over the horizon, and, and there's Jesus on the shoreline. And he's built a fire, and it's crackling, and, and they're out working, and, and finally Jesus calls out to them, hey, did you catch anything? No, we didn't catch anything. Terrible night. Try the other side. And sure enough, all of this fish suddenly show up. They're trying to pull in this net, and they can. There's just so much going on. Does this sound familiar? If you know your Bibles, you may know that the story that we're introduced with Peter and Jesus together is one where Peter's fishing. He also caught nothing that night. And what does Jesus do? Go to the other side of the boat and a huge miraculous catch of fish. We have a repeat miracle. Jesus is showing up and he's providing for them in an incredible way. It's awesome. And, and then they realize, like, it's him. It's Jesus. And Peter jumps in the water, and he goes up swimming and, and catches up to them. And suddenly, he's face to face with Jesus. And then he remembers. Oh, yeah. Just a few days ago, what did I do? What's going to happen? How is Jesus going to respond in this moment? What is he going to do? So I want to pause there for just a minute 
Because I'm contending with you that Jesus, he operates, he lives, he reconciles with grace and truth. This actually comes from another verse in John. So John chapter 1, we're introduced to Jesus as this word who's come down. And and this is what John says in verse 14. He says, the word became flesh. Jesus became human. He came to be like us. Became flesh. He's made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. See, he didn't come with just a little bit of each or whatever. Like He came full of grace and truth. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus is operating his whole life and ministry with these two ideas together. So what I want to do is I want to show you a tool. We've actually taught on this before. Um, maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. But this was a helpful tool for us to see and understand what is this whole grace and truth thing all about. So what I want to do is I want to draw it on the whiteboard. It will be on the screen as well, so if you're trying to kind of keep up. But this is probably something you may want to take notes on, write down, and and track. Because what I want to contend with you is this is how we can see guide Jesus. How we can navigate the walking path of reconciliation. So what I want to do is I want to draw two lines. One this way and one this way with arrows going like this. And so we're going to kind of do a coordinate plane. If you remember math class or whatever, like this might look familiar. But what we're going to do is we're going to kind of create a matrix here of two ideas intersecting with the first one being grace up top here. Now, grace in the Bible is really unmerited favor. It's this thing where it's like we get what we don't deserve. It's, it's showing us favor. Where mercy is like, you know, getting, not getting what you do deserve. Grace is the opposite. It's where we're getting what we don't deserve. That's what Jesus shows us, right? Grace, like we were sinners, yet he died for us. Like he gave up his life. He's giving us what we don't deserve. That is grace. But thinking about it in the context of reconciliation, I want to define it this way. It's invitation to relationship. It's invitation to relationships. Like, hey, I want to I be connected to you because that, that's what Jesus did. When he died for us, he invited us back into relationship with him. That's grace. And so when, he's, when he is full of grace, he is inviting us in. He's connecting with us. That, that's what he's doing. So that's the first thing, grace up top. But then the other thing I want to write over here is truth. So full of grace and truth. That's what John tells us. So truth, if we kind of look that up in in the dictionary, truth is essentially the way things are, reality. And truth in the Bible is agreeing with God about the way he has designed the world. It's agreeing with God about reality. But if you think about it in the context of, of relationships and reconciliation, it's a challenge to take responsibility. When you think about truth, when you want to operate according to God's way, We're called to align ourselves to the way things are, and we've got responsibility to participate. So when when there's truth, when it's like this is the way things are, we have a choice to make. Are we going to align with that, or are we going to try to go our own way? Truth is saying like, yep, this is the way way things are. This is reality, and I'm aligning myself to that. I'm taking responsibility, and I'm going to be here. So that's what truth is. It's, it's the challenge or the call to take responsibility, to participate, to align with God. 
So we've got grace and we've got truth on this kind of coordinate plane. Jesus is full of both. But I'll contend with you that I don't think we always are, right? Like sometimes we, we don't quite operate like Jesus, right? Sometimes we're, we're kind of in an imbalance in these kinds of things. So let's say we're more of these kinds of people, grace people. So we're high on the grace, but we're kind of low on the truth. Well, what, what is that all about? We call that hangout. Now, since it's Mother's Day, we're going to use a parenting analogy. All you mothers, you at some point have asked your son or daughter to please clean your room. How has that gone sometimes, right? No, I don't want to clean my room. It's so boring. And I, Have you heard that before? Have you said that before? Like, what is it, you know, when your mom or dad asks you to clean your room, we, we often just want to, no, 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 I don't want to. And we drag our feet and all that kind of stuff. Well, what does mom do? Hangout would say, oh, you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Not a big deal. Here, have some chocolate. Like, we'll just, we'll ignore this. We'll move on. Don't worry about it. Please don't be upset. That is hangout, right? It's where we're just like all about how do we make sure we keep the peace? We want to keep people happy. So if a kid starts throwing a fit, it's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Nope, nope, nope. We're just, we're not going to worry about that. It's all about the relationship side. It's all about keeping people happy, but it doesn't matter about the truth side, about what's right and how, how all that goes. So hangout, it's just about keeping people happy. And maybe a way to think about it, I think the, what hangout boils down to is this. It's all about managing the problem. It's all about managing the problem. When we live in hangout, when we're, we're trying to do it that way, we're just trying to keep things as they are. Like, let's just keep the boat from rocking too much. It's all about managing. So when a kid throws a fit about cleaning their room, it's like, okay, 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 let's not, let's not rock the boat. Let's just keep it easy. That's hangout. High grace but low truth. What about the opposite? What is it when it's kind of a low grace version but a high truth version kind of thing? What's the opposite of hangout? We call that call-out. This is not about the relationship, but it's about what's right. So if we go back to that kid cleaning the room, what do you say? You will clean your room or else. You want to fight with me? Yeah, come on. Like that, that's call-out, right? It gets intense and aggressive. It's like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to deal with it, right? Hangout's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's okay. Here's some chocolate. Call out. It's like, you better clean your room, right? And you can feel that because it's all about truth. It's about what's right. It's about, like, here's what's expected of you. And it doesn't matter about grace, about the relationship side. Call out, I contend with you, is about fixing the problem. Your room's a mess. Fix it. Get it right. That's what call-out's about. It's about fixing. Now, and it may not even be like this intense version of, of something like super aggressive. It may just be like, hey, I've got this problem. Well, here's the answer. Problem solved. Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be mean. It can just be like, what, what's the problem? Let's fix it. How many wives have come to their husbands and say, oh, here's what's going on. Here's the answer. That's not what I'm looking for because we don't want call-out. It's about fixing the problem. So, Hangout, 
High grace, low truth. Call out, high truth, low grace. I think sometimes we will float between these two things. You might kind of already sense like, oh, I'm more of a hangout person or I'm more of a call out person. Sometimes, though, I think we can default to another place, especially after like, going through these two things and not having it go well. I think when we get to a low grace, low truth kind of thing, we get to check out. We just were like, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this. It's not working. I'm just going to disconnect. I'm just going to disengage. Like, I am going to ignore the problem. Because I think that's what checkout's doing. It's ignoring the problem. You get tired of being in these other two quadrants, and you just get to the place where it's like, that's it, I'm done. I'm just going to watch TV. You deal with it. So the other spouse comes home, and it's like, why are the kids all going crazy? It's like, I don't hear anything. You know? Like, I'm just checked out. We, we ignore the problem. We, we, we want to just kind of operate in survival mode. Now, there's a difference between rest and kind of rejuvenation, taking some time for yourself. There's a, that's a different sort of thing. That's different than checkout. Checkout is just like, I'm just ignoring the problem. Whereas rest is like, okay, I'm dealing with it in a wise, discerning kind of way. We might still be in checkout or one of these others, but like rest is not the same as checkout. Checkout is just like, that's it, I'm done. I just can't deal with this, and I don't want to deal with it. So checkout. I would say all three of these are shadow versions of grace and truth. Hangout does not operate with real grace. Callout does not operate with real truth. They are shadow versions of themselves. Because I want to say that grace and truth belong together. These two, two things go together. You can't really have true grace and actual truth without the other. These three things were not the way that Jesus was. He did not live in this hangout like, oh, let's just make people happy, or it's like, let me just beat you over the head, or I don't care. Jesus didn't operate in any of those. He operated here with a fullness of grace and truth, which we call, call up. Jesus lived here. He brought a fullness of grace and truth together. When he brought grace, he brought his truth with it, and vice versa. He was full of both of these things simultaneously. He wasn't trying to balance them, trying to get them just in the right sort of mix. Like, no, 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 his fullness of both, 100%. He wasn't living in these other three. He was living here. I want to tell you that call up is all about love. It's all about love. And if that's the case, then I think the hallmark of, of call up is actually about empowering the person. Did you notice each one of these was about the problem? Manage the problem. Fix the problem. Ignore the problem. Call up is about empowering the person through relationship, invitation to relationship, and calling them to take responsibility to align to God's reality. It's empowering them to step into that. So instead of just saying, oh, here's some chocolate, don't worry about your room, or you better clean it, or I don't care, 
hey, let's talk about that. Why don't you want to clean your room? Cleaning our room is, is actually a really good thing. It's actually helpful for us. We can find things. That it says, I love you to mommy and daddy. Like, so, hey, let, let's, let's talk about that. Why don't you want to clean your room? Well, it's boring. It's like, okay, help me understand that. And we begin a journey, a conversation where we help that child step into what is expected of them with the relationship in their back pocket, knowing they are encouraged, supported to get there. And they can do it. See, that's the way Jesus operates. He's not worried about fixing problems, managing problems, or, or ignoring them. He wants to help the person step into what God's best is for them. So this is the grace and truth matrix. And this is a lens to help us understand what Jesus is doing in his interaction with Peter. So let's go back to that story. Let's pick up reading in chapter 21, verse 10. And we're going to see Jesus operate in call up. So follow along with me in verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was so full of large fish, 153, but, not e but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So here's Peter. He's standing on the shore. He's, he's just come swimming to Jesus. And now what's happening? What's he going to say? What does Jesus say? Hey, come have breakfast. Bring some of that fish. Let, let's eat together. Now, if you know your Bible, you know a little bit of the context. Eating together was a significant act. When someone would sit down and eat with another person, they're essentially saying, I associate with you. By Jesus saying, hey, let's have breakfast, Jesus right now is calibrating the relationship. He's saying, I am connected with you. What Jesus is doing here is he is inviting Peter into relationship. He's inviting Peter into relationship. The first thing out of his mouth is like, hey, let's have breakfast. Let's eat together. Now, what Jesus could have done, or more likely if I were in his shoes, been like, hey, what happened a few days ago? You messed up. Are you serious? You're the one who said you were going to die with me, but there you are, denying me. Are you kidding Really? You messed up. That's not what Jesus says. Hey, come have breakfast. Let's eat together. Bring some of that fish that I just provided for you. Come have breakfast. And notice, that's what Jesus does. He provides. They, they don't catch anything. And, and so what does he do? He's like, I've done this before. Let's do it again. And he gives them a whole host of fish, and they catch it, and they can't bring the net in. It's so full, and he's providing for them. It's not contingent upon Peter saying a certain thing or like, here, like, here's how, here's how this has got to go. Like, 
What does he do? He extends his hand first. Come have breakfast with me. I'll even give you the food. Here's some bread. Here's some fish. Eat with me. Jesus is inviting into relationship. We're to do the same thing in our reconciliation. We are to bring relationship first. We're to calibrate grace and say, like, okay, I want to affirm you. I want to affirm our relationship. Yeah, there's a wedge. There's a break. But I acknowledge you as a person. Several weeks ago, we talked about the reason we can reconcile with one another. We are all made in the image of God. We have this embedded in us. This is part of our identity. We are image bearers. Therefore, we have value and worth regardless of what we do. Jesus comes in and says, yes, I acknowledge that. I acknowledge you as a person, and I acknowledge our relationship. We're to do the same thing. So when we're faced with conflict, our tendency may be to like, here's what you did to me. Or our tendency may be like, nah, I want to minimize it. It doesn't matter. It's okay. But we're not living in the right kind of relationship. Or we just don't say anything. That's not what Jesus does. He invites Peter deeper in. He invites into relationship. He affirms him. We're connected. Now, before you think like, okay, but they're having a breakfast and they're not really addressing it. It's like, aren't they kind of right here? Ah, it doesn't stop there, does it? See, it doesn't just stay like, okay, let's have breakfast. All is better. No, there needs to be some work done. So let's pick up reading in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old... You will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And here we get the interpretation. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. See, what's happening here is that Jesus isn't just going to stay here or here. He's actually going to do something. But notice, he doesn't live here either. What does he do? He engages with Peter right where he is. Now, a couple of things to highlight. If you remember, again, Peter, he denied Jesus three times. Jesus asks him this question three times. This is a mechanism of restoration. Three times you said you didn't want to associate me. Now, three times you say you love me. Restoration, covering over. 
But but back to where this all started, again, when Peter started following Jesus, he had this miraculous catch of fish. Well, what did Peter realize in that moment? He comes to Jesus, and he's like, woe to me, I am a sinful man, depart from me, you can't be near me, I am a broken person. And Jesus responds and says, no, I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. This will not be the way that you do it, but rather you're going to do something even greater. And he says, follow me. Here, what Jesus is doing is he's reminding Peter of his identity and his calling. How all of this started, I'm calling you to follow me. What Jesus is doing here is this. He's challenging Peter to take responsibility for his calling. He's calling him up to who he is. It's like, you are a fisher of men. Or another analogy to use, you are a shepherd, so feed my sheep. This is what you're called to do. This is who you are. This is who I've made you to be. You are Peter. Now notice, how does Jesus start out this conversation? Simon, son of John. What's your identity? Simon, son of John. This is who you were born. But eventually, I changed your name to Peter. Simon, do you love me? Yes, yes, yes. Now you are back to Peter feed my sheep, be the rock, be the shepherd that I've called you to be. He is calling him back to his identity and responsibility. And he does it in the context of love. It's not like, hey, are you going to do better next time? Or it's like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, do you love me? Are you committed to me? Are you in this relationship because I am? And will you follow through? Will you be who I say you are? Will you trust me? All of this is the context of love. This is the way that Jesus is with us. He doesn't look at us and say, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, I'll just deal with it and minimize things and not actually address it. But he also doesn't come in and beat us over the head. He's not coming in and say, Peter, you screwed up. How dare you? Like, no. Peter, this is who you are. Do you love me? Step into that. This is my call over you. Feed my sheep. But notice, how does that take place? See, Jesus, he asks him the three times, and, and Peter, he's hurt by that. It's like, oh, man, like, I just answered this question twice, and it's like, you feel it. Peter needed to go through the hard Jesus didn't soften it for him or make it easier. It's like, you you need to know. You need to feel this. You need to walk through the challenge because that's how you get here. I'm not going to make it easier. I'm not going to help you avoid it. Like, no, no, no. I'm going to help empower you to work through the hard. You're going to feel the hurt. And that, that is where you can step into your calling. When you trust me. So grace and truth. Jesus is bringing both. And ultimately, what does that result in? The call to follow him. Just like at the very beginning, when all of this started, Jesus, you know, they knew, they didn't know everything about him, but he, they did a, he did a miraculous thing for them. What does he say? Follow me, and I'll show you along the way. And they learn, and they grow, and they fail. 
But Jesus says, still follow me. You don't have to get it all right or, oh, you're out, sorry, you messed up. Or it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, it does. But it's not about measuring up. He calls him to follow him. And this ultimately leads to Peter laying down his life. See, he, he uses this analogy. When you were younger, like you kind of did where you, you did you what you wanted to do. You went where you wanted. You could dress yourself, all that stuff. So when you get older, people are going to stretch out your hands. You're, they're going to dress you. They're going to take you to a place you don't want to go. All of this was pointing to Peter's martyrdom. Because when they heard stretch out, they knew what that meant. And sure enough, Peter would be crucified. And at, that, at the point that this was written down, that John wrote his gospel, Peter was likely already dead. They knew what happened to him. The call to follow Jesus is to lay down our lives. We're to do the same thing in our reconciliation. When we pursue reconciliation, we are to challenge ourselves and one another to align with God's way, to take responsibility and participate in the order of things that he has established. And so we acknowledge the person. We acknowledge the relationship. We say, all right, you are important. You are valuable. I want to work this out. But then we work through it honestly. We don't minimize. We don't say, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, we actually tackle the thing, but we're for each other. We're working together. We're working towards what is God's best, and we help each other do that. We take responsibility for what our part is. When I've messed up, like I own that. I'd say, oh, okay, I'm sorry. But then we also help the other person to do the same because we don't live in one of these others. We, we want to step into God's best, and it's all about love. It's all about empowering one another to, to grow towards that together. So we take responsibility, and we align to God's way. This is what Jesus does. He doesn't call Peter out, beat him over the head. He doesn't minimize it or ignore it. He, he actually faces it and addresses it and tackles it. But he does so in the context of relationship, in grace. Affirming Peter and saying, this is who you are. This is your calling. Live into that. That is what Jesus does. He brings grace and truth together. So that's the way Jesus reconciles. Jesus reconciles with grace and truth, and we should too. We've been asking you throughout this entire series, what's a relationship that you sense needs reconciliation? Where is there brokenness? Where is there something that's not quite right? Challenge is to go here. Not avoid it. Not minimize or manage it. Not try to fix it, but to actually engage with the other person and work towards better together. Use this as a lens. Say, all right, where am, I, where am I tending to live? Where am I tending to operate? Am I more here? Am I more here? Like, okay, how do I begin to move up here? And ask the Lord to help you. Say, Lord, all right, show me. What does call-up look like? What does it look like to love this other person? How can I bring both grace and truth simultaneously? This acts as a guide for us while we walk the path of reconciliation. 
But one more tool we want to help you with. Um, we've created a little bookmark thing. So we've walked through this entire series. There have been so many things that we've covered. We felt like we wanted to boil it down to just the few key ideas. And so we've got this available for you. As you walk out, you can grab one of these. This has kind of like the key ideas from each week on the front side. And then on the back, we laid out some of the key ideas of the process. And we threw up this matrix. Just as a lens, as a way for you to navigate these kinds of conversations, we encourage you, take one of these. Reference it. And now, as you're beginning to step into reconciling conversations, you can do so with him. So know that Jesus wants to walk with you. He wants to help you along this path. Will you let him? Will you let him lead you in grace and truth? Because that's the way he reconciles. He reconciles with grace and truth, and we should too.